Mr. Nenet yesterday, I thought that uh, mastering song would not be around today. So I prepared for the songs. <laughs>
Lord, speak to us this morning once more. Allow us to, hit, to have a better picture of what it means to be with you in your presence, not just in heaven when we die, but Lord, even while we are here on earth. Lord, many of us do not see that. Many of us miss that. And our prayer, Lord, our prayer is that you will open the eyes of our heart so that we will see that your presence with us right here, right now, for those who belong to you, for those who are your children, is so great. Help us to taste it, want it, embrace it, and never let go of it, Lord. Help me, Lord, to explain this truth to your children in the power of your Spirit. For apart from your Spirit, Lord, I cannot do anything of eternal value, much less communicate your glorious, glorious presence in, your, in our lives. We commit this time to you, Lord. Bless it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Question. Question. What makes Christian living hard? In fact, very hard. I'm not going to ask George Lanzer this question. But I can see we're thinking ahead because it's been that I'm going to call him again. Is Christian living hard, guys? Hello? How many of you find Christian living so easy, you know, it's like a walk in the park? Come on. No one, right? I know in your heart of hearts you want to be a Christian, but in, the, in your heart of hearts you are struggling because practicing the Christian life as God wants it is hard. Very hard. And in fact, most people say, Possible. See, George, that's the answer. All the time. So, George, what's the next question? Okay. What makes Christian living very hard? Before I answer that, I have another question. Knowing about the Christian life is not hard. Yes or no? Just come to a Bible study, just meet someone who is a Christian and explain to you what. Christian life is, you will know about Christian life, right? It's easy to know things. You know, I can read about, uh, I guess, the heart and how it functions, right? I can understand about it, but can I make a heart? Ah, it's a different story altogether. What am I trying to say? The living is what makes it hard, very hard. Christian life is easy to know. But living it, believe me, it becomes very hard. And I think that's what many of us are struggling with. You know, day after day, Lord, I want to be a good Christian. But then, what happens? Boom! We, we blow it away. We bum out. Oh, there you go again. I just told you to do this, but you did the opposite. You sinned, and then you feel miserable. The Christian life is hard. What makes it very hard? The living. What's another word for living? The application. The practice. Right? Many Christians know what Christian living is. But are they practicing it? Are they applying it? 
If it's favorable to them, okay. But if it's not favorable to them and it puts them in a position of disadvantage, maybe not. You know, Lord, make George a Christian, but don't make me do what George is doing right now that I cannot do. You know what I'm saying? We are what? Very selective in the way we look at the Christian life. The practice and the application is hard. Remember what I keep saying? Truth does not change lives. It's easy to find truth. I saw Paul say, Amen. Okay. It's easy to find truth. Books, listen to the radio, open your Bible, you will find a lot of truths. But will that change your life right away? No. What will change your life? Truth applied changes lives. Truth practiced changes lives. So unless and until you apply and you practice what you know, believe me, you will never, ever be able to taste what the Christian life is and much less what the presence of God means to you. Truth applied changes lives. Truth practice changes lives. And here I go again. CCF is all about discipleship. How do I connect it? Truth applied and practice is most possible through discipleship. You know what discipleship is? We talked about discipleship already. <laughs> Hello? Okay? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Truth applied, truth practice is most possible through discipleship. That's why last week, what did I what did I share with you? The best way to finish well in this life is what? Make the disciples. Because as you make disciples, you will witness the glory of God. And as you witness the glory of God, you will become witnesses of the glory of God. That is discipleship. You know, I cannot, I cannot overemphasize it. Just last night we were discipling people. You know, I was preparing my message, but there were, there were, there was, there was a challenge about what counseling and discipling people, and we stayed up to about midnight talking about it. And so, uh, my my message for today is kind of, you know, I felt like I was kind of risking it, but you know what? God is faithful. I was still able to do it in spite of that because discipleship is a priority. Why? Because it is through discipleship that the truths they know about Christian life that they need to, they need to apply gets applied and gets practiced. You know what I'm saying? Discipleship is the process of bringing people to Jesus Christ, meaning sharing the gospel with them, and then building them up in the faith towards Christ's likeness. See, the word building them up in the faith is another word for what? Application and practice. What are we asking people to apply and practice? The things that will make them become Christ-like. Right? We're not going to make you do something that's going to make you, you know, devil-looking like. We're going to make you Christ-like. And that's what we are planning to do. For the purpose of spiritual multiplication resulting in the glory of God. Okay? Discipleship. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
Long story short, making disciples is all about practice and obedience of God's commands by faith. Making disciples is living out the hard Christian life by faith and faith alone. <coughs> Truth does not change lives. Christian living is hard because the living part is the most difficult. And discipleship is going to be the one that will make us apply all of those things. Right, Joseph? If God is asking you to teach and share the Bible, and you keep hiding, right? When will you ever learn to teach and become a good teacher? Right? Oh, that's not for me. That's only for Bible teachers who are gifted. Yeah. I see you. I think you're gifted. Why don't you start doing, ah, oh, that's not for me. My time will come. See what's happening? You keep dodging. You keep dodging and avoiding. And as a result, you are not practicing application. Here's one great Bible truth that I will talk about this morning, and I hope that it becomes real and we practice it in our lives. This one great Bible truth is this, intimacy with God. We have been talking about this for the last 18, sorry, 8 months, not 18 months, here in CCFLA, and we wanted you to experience what it means to be intimate, close personal with God. And I hope that by now, God can call you a personal friend and you can be personal with God. It's one thing to know President Obama, right? Or President Pinoy. But it's another thing and very special for Pinoy to know you by name. Yes or no? Yes. Right? Only very few are privileged to have that. Maybe our brother Henry de la Vega just came back from the Philippines, who said he fasted for one week, but he looks that he gained weight. That's what you call not practicing what you preach. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. He's very close to God, and, and, and being close to God is something that we all want. And you know, the other side of the coin of intimacy with God is, if you get one coin, one side is intimacy with God, and you flip it, the other is what? The presence of God. You cannot be intimate with God unless the presence of God goes with you. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, is the presence of God good? Yeah, we know that, theoretically, right? We know the presence of God is good. In fact, you know, it is one thing to know it, it is another to practice it. You know how good the presence of God is? Yes. I want the presence of God and I know it. But my question is, do you practice it? Uh, what do you mean? I hope in the next minute it will become clear. That wanting the presence of God and knowing it is good is different from living it and practicing it. And tonight, or rather today, in the next three Sundays, two Sundays, we will talk about practicing the presence of God. Because it's different to know the presence of God. It's good, but do you practice it? <coughs> so the title of our series for the next three Sundays is this. Intimacy through practicing God's presence. Intimacy through practicing God's presence. If there's one person who knows how important 
and how critical and how valuable God's presence is in his life, it is this man. Who is this man? Moses. You know, when we started Intimacy with God series, we talked about what? Moses from the very beginning. Why? He's an example of the guy who walks with God and who knows personally what the presence of God is. Look what he says. And I want you to flash back. We've been saying this, this passage over and over again. For you to understand how important the presence of God is mentally. Okay? Look at what he's saying. Uh, here, here is Exodus 33. And we're talking about proofs of living in God's presence. You know, how, do, how do people know that you're living in God's presence? How do people know that God is with you? How do people know that you're your person, person, person name basis with God? How do people know that? And here's the proof. And he said, I mean he, God, said to Moses, Moses, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. rest. You know what rested it means? Rested, restedness means you're not struggling, you're not worried, you can sleep well at night, right? That's restedness. What will make you rested? Knowing that you are protected for and provided for. If you know, DJ, that you're going to wake up tomorrow, there's from this out and, um, and uh, you know, scrambled egg that your dad will cook anyway and your mom will prepare, you know, you're looking forward to it and you're not worried, right? Right? That's restedness. Because you know your dad will not make you go hungry. Because you know your dad will protect you no matter what. That is restedness. And then, after God said this to Moses, I will give you rest, Moses was not satisfied. In verse 15, he said to God, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. What is he saying? Lord, if you're not going to go with us, what the lang. You know? That's what he's saying. Why? Because the presence of God is so important to him. And then he gives the reason why in verse 16. Why is the presence of God very important? Look at verse 16. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us? So that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all other people who are upon the face of the earth. Guys, the presence of God is proof positive that you are favored. You're God's favorite. How important is that? If you are God's favorite, then don't be surprised that He's going to give you protection. He's going to give you food and everything that you need before you even think about it. So that it will, you will be rested. Amen? That's what it means. And when a person is rested, and when a person is protected and provided for, and he's so relaxed, you can see, you can see, you can see, you can almost see him. It's like looking at Tony Hong, you know? At peace, okay? No trouble, okay? You know, you know what, will, what, will make, what will make you do? You will begin to ask, Tony, how come you're so rested? How come you look like that? What happens? You become distinguished. You stand out. People will notice, okay? People will notice because, you know, God is with you. So, is the presence of God important? 
Absolutely. You would be arrested, you would be favored, and what? You'd be distinguished. Do you like that? Yes. yes. Are you practicing that? Uh-oh. See, there's a gap. How come there's a gap? That's why this morning we're going to talk about practicing God's presence. If you practice God's presence, believe me, you guys should be arrested. You guys should stop worrying about tomorrow. You guys should be distinguished because you are God's favor. You're God's favor. Question. What is the most repeated promise of God in the Bible? Peter, can you answer that? Where's Peter? You're up there. Okay. You're hiding. Okay. You know? What do you think? Tell, tell your neighbor. What do you think is the most repeated promise of God in the Bible? Come on. Discuss it. Okay. What? Huh? I will never leave you or forsake you. Is it about eternal life? Is it about forgiving others? Or uh, 70 times 7, like what we had last Friday? You know, I think I saw the lady. Yeah, there she is. Okay. Lady Okay, there she is. Okay. And then, you know, uh, we talked about how many times God is going to forgive us. But you know what? What is the most repeated promise in the Bible? I'm surprised that even pastors do not know this because they, they read the Bible as much, but they don't know what is the most repeated. Okay? And only if you research it will you find it. The most repeated promise in the Bible by God is this. I will be with you. Do you like that? You know? God is always saying, I will be with you. I will be with you. You know that. But are you practicing it? Are you living it in such a way that God sees, people see, that God is indeed with you? There may be a gap, right? And that's why we need to practice it. And you know, one of the verses that clearly sees that is our what? Great Commission verse. Exactly. Matthew chapter 28 verse 20. It says, teaching them to observe all I commanded you. And lo, look at that. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why do you think, why do you think God attached that to this great, great work that he wants us to do? Huh? You know, it's almost like saying, it's almost like saying, you fathers, almost telling your kids, go ahead, do it. Go ahead, do it. You know what? I am behind you and with you. Assurance of promise. What? Assurance of promise. Assurance or promise that, you know, basically what? For us to succeed. Right? For us to succeed. There is a pastor in CCF Manila who keeps telling you, go ahead. What you're doing is good. We will be behind you. And you will add way, 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 way behind you. Is that an assurance of I will be with you? No! Okay? If you look for that guy in CCF, his name is Pastor Glenn. He's the praise and worship pastor who replaced Pastor Rizzo. Okay, so when you see him in Manila, you tell Pastor Glenn, you are the guy, huh? Way! Way, way behind you, and he will start to laugh, believe me, okay, because he knows that. Most repeated promise, I will be with you. And that is found in Matthew 28, in the Great Commission. The reason for that is because God wants us to succeed. And the assurance that we will succeed is what? He is with us, even to the end of the age, all the days of our lives, as we pursue this. See the significance of this? 
If I'm going to do this alone, God, I don't want to do this. It's hard enough to share the gospel with people. It's even harder to teach them to apply the word of God. Yes or no? If I'm going to do it by myself, forget it. But if you're going to be with me, I will do it. That's fresh. That's why God said, I'll be with you. And then the passage we read this morning is another verse okay, that tells us that God is going to be with us. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Hebrews 13, 5-6 Being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what will man do to me? Right? What is the context of this passage? The Christians then were being persecuted. Their properties were being sequestered. Everything was being taken away from them. Their money, their possessions, and everything. Now, if you were in their shoes, would you worry? Yes or no? Be honest. Everything is being taken away from you. The source of your security is being taken away from you. What is that? Your money, your possessions. Wouldn't you get worried? That was the context. That's why the, the author of Hebrews said, Hey, make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Why, of all things, did he put money? Because God knows our heart. You know, the greatest pursuit, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest pursuit, pursuit that we're doing in our lives is what? Well, money. Why do you think we went to America in the first place? Because the land flowing with milk and money. Right? <laughs> or money, as you might call it. And, you know, because of the blessings that we experience here in America, we forget about the, bless, the blesser and the giver, and we focus on the blessings, which is the money. Because the money, many of us, if you are not aware of it, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to, to put you down, but if you're not careful, many of us here, even as Christians, has put money as our source of security. I did that. The reason why I became so secure, you know, in, in my decision making was because I had, I had money in the bank. And I wasn't scared because I had money in the bank. And you know what? What God will do to you if you keep attaching yourself to your money in the bank, Susan is smiling. He will take it away. You know? He will send people who seem good but will suck all those money away. You know? He will send termites to eat those money away. Believe me, because he wants you to free your character from the love of money because money is the security. The problem, or the good thing is, he doesn't stop there, Christy. He continued. He said, okay, I want you to be content with what you have. Why? For God himself has said this. He himself is saying it. What? I will never, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Wow. You know, as you read it in English, it may not come across as powerful. But if you take, a, take, it to, take the original language, there is what you call double negative that's being mentioned. Let me show you. In the original, in the original Greek, here is what you will read. He himself has said it. I will never, no never, I will never, ever, ever leave you. How strong is that, guys? How strong is that? It's so strong, it's so strong that you wish your spouse will say that to you. <laughs> right? Those of you who are getting married, you know what will make your wife secure? 
is this word. Honey, as beautiful as you are now. <laughs> but when you became tama, <laughs> no, I hope not. Whatever the situation, you should say, I will never, no, never, I will never, ever, ever leave you. That's double negative. And that assures you that God's promise is so strong. For what reason? For what reason? To make you realize that God is always with you. Amen. And if God is always with you, what can man do to you? And here we are, we fumble all over the place. Because we know something and yet we don't practice it. The practice is what we're missing. We're so quick to give up. We're so quick to give up. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to take... We're going to take a lesson from a guy who practiced God's presence but flunked initially and then became successful. What is the truth? The truth is God is always with us. Yes, that's the truth. But we do not practice, we do not apply, and live this truth. Consequence, it does not change us. We remain worried, we remain fearful, and we remain unrested. We're not distinguished, and we don't stand up. And we, we, are, we, are not, we are not favorable in God's sight. Why can small children practice it? Meaning, God is always with us. And we adults cannot. Children don't seem to worry as much as adults. Do you agree? Yes. Uh, where is that little... Oh, Eliza. Look at Eliza. Well, she just keeps singing and singing. And doesn't even know that her dad has lost a walk yesterday and is feeling so miserable, etc., etc., okay? Huh? You know? Uh, you know, Ethan. Have you seen Ethan going like this, worried? I don't know what to eat tomorrow. Why can children practice the presence of God and we adults cannot? Why? Because they have childlike faith. The moment they see the presence of their parents in their lives, that's it. Are you worried? Now that you're growing up, maybe, right? But when you were younger, I don't think you were worried, right? Children, childlike faith. And you know, many times that's what we need. Childlike faith. Huh. Let me prove it to you. That we don't practice it. Even the words of our prayers reveal that we are not sure of God's presence. Lord, please be with us as we try. Please go with us. God is there with you already. Why do you keep asking that question? You know, are you, you mean to tell me you're not sure that God is with you? Remember, Lord, God has traveling mercies as I ride that plane. Can you be with me? Why do you keep asking that? You know why? Because you're not sure. But if you know you're sure, your prayer should be like this, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are with me in this plane, and whatever happens to this plane, I will be with you. Isn't that a different perspective altogether? Amen. And then the plane crashes, oh Lord, where are you? Where are you? Man, okay? That is the truth. God is always with us in whatever we are going through. If God is always with us in whatever we're going through, tell me guys, how will this truth impact you? 
Will this change you forever? Yes. Yes. You know, look at look at verse next. Why did God say, I will never ever desert you, nor I will ever forsake you? Look at verse 6. So that, read it with me. So that we confidently we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Huh? The reason why God is saying, I'm always with you so that you can confidently say, in the you, is God with me? Uh, is God with us? Come on. It's a manifestation that you yourself do not understand what it means to be with God and have not experienced the presence of God for you to know that God is with you. That's the big difference between Christian living theory and Christian living practice. And that's what I want you to realize. Confidently. Are you confident? Can you become confident eventually? Yes, if you practice the presence of God. Oh, you mean, Pastor, we will learn how to practice the presence of God? Yes. You'll practice it, not just know it. Practice it. And we will show you how. So, tell each other, God is with you. Come on, tell each other, God is with you. God is with you. And practice God's presence. Come on, tell each other. Come on, God. Practice God's presence. Huh? Even if your bill is one thousand dollars cannot. Okay? God is with you. Right? God is with you. Practice God's presence. God is with you. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 26 and learn from the man. Okay? Who practiced God's presence? But, you know, it's so assuring because at the start of his walking with God and his presence with God, he failed. Just like us, we failed. And you know what? What I want to learn is how we go back and practice and succeed. So, in Genesis 26, verse 1 to 2, here is the story. Uh, there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. See this? this the story is about Isaac. Isaac. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, stay in the land of which I shall tell you. What is the context? There was a famine. You know what the famine is? You know, it, it's not... We cannot, we cannot relate to it unless we understand fully. In those days, okay, the, the security of the people is the land. Okay? The land that's supposed to be rich with water and fertile. When there's famine, there's not going to be any water. The whole place is going to go dry. It will become dusty, the earth will crack, and everything is, you know, everything is blown away by the wind. Okay? So everything in your land, the livestock, the plant, what will happen to all of them? They will die. Okay? So a famine is a, it's like a picture of the problems that they were facing then. Is it possible that we today, in a different context, are also facing famine? Very true. So picture yourself like this. There was a famine, and Isaac was there, and of course, Isaac was rich. He was born with a silver spoon. Just like me, okay? Lata spoon. <laughs> no, I wasn't born with a silver spoon. Perhaps, uh, you know, Henry de la Vega, perhaps Philip. And so, he inherited everything from his father Abraham. He was rich. 
But what? The source of his security was being blown away by the famine. Right? So if you were Abraham, what would you do? Isaac went to Gerar, Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And you know what? The Lord exactly knows what's going on in the head of Isaac. That's why he said in verse 2, the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land which I, I shall tell you. So in the land where Isaac was, there was famine. He went to the king. I think he was making an arrangement for him to go to Egypt. Okay? Egypt was very sick then. Egypt was like the America then. Okay? Where most people tried to go because there is no famine in Egypt. So, in the mind of Isaac, it's better to go to Egypt. Yes or no? Right? His security was Egypt. Okay? Although God was with him, but he was thinking, hey, this is not good. I might as well go to Egypt because in Egypt, my family will be safe. Is there something wrong with that objective? No. If you take a look at it. But what did God say? Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land which I shall tell you. Huh? You know, God is always with us, Yes. But it does not mean that we are exempted from problems. The reason why God will give us problems many times is for us to test whether we believe that God is with us and we believe in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. And that's what happened exactly to Isaac. He was not exempted. There was famine. There was famine. So, he said, Hey, I know what you're planning. Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. Meaning what? Your security is not in Egypt. Your security is with me. Wherever you are, even if there's famine in this land, as long as I am with you, you're good. But many times we're not. Lord, are you here? Are you here? Egypt, are you here? Egypt, are you here? Palapit ng palapit sa Egypt. Okay? Why? Because we don't see things that will convince us that God is here and now where we are. And then, uh, God again, gave his reason why he should stay in the promised land. Look at the verse. Verse 3. Sojourn in this land and what? I will be with you. You know, God is so amazing. You know, many times God is actually telling you, don't worry, I am with you. But we keep forgetting it and we keep not hearing it. What we hear are the big problems that we're facing. What we hear are the enemies who are pushing us and the pressures of this world are pushing us and we forget that the presence of God is with us. I will bless you, he said. I am here. This is famine, by the way. But I will bless you. For to you and to your descendants, I will give this land. Do you see the promise of God? In spite of this famine, I will bless you. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. Ano ka ba? I gave this promise to your dad. Just because you see a famine? You think I will renege on my, on my commitment to you? You know what, 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 Abraham, what uh, uh, God said? Please, remember my promise and I will be with you and I will bless you. He's actually saying, I am your security, not Egypt. Okay? And then, in verse, verse 4, he said, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and I will give your descendants all this land and by your... You see, how many, how, many, how many times did he repeat the word descendants there? You know? In other words, hey, I'll be with you. I'll protect your mother. I'll protect your children. I'll protect your grandchildren. Meaning what? You will survive. You know, 
you will survive. And nothing will eliminate you from the face of the earth. Okay? And he said, by your descendant. By the way, asterisk. That, the word, the last descendant, there were two descendants. Descendants as the stars, and then will give your descendants as all this land. And by your descendants, there's an asterisk. If you take a look at the NASB, it is a singular complex noun. The word is seed. That word is one word. Alright? It talks about who? It talks about Jesus. Okay? Seed. Your seed will, will bless all the earth. And all the nations. That means Jesus. Don't worry. You will not die. Because your Jesus, my, my promised Messiah, will come from you. So even if there's a famine, you will be okay. Now many times we don't see that. But God is reminding us. And then, sorry. Okay. Uh, that's not supposed to be there right away. Are you having problems in your life? Is there a famine in your life right now? And then Isaiah 31 verse 1. He gives a warning. Okay? The warning is, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, and trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. And then he said, but, my, but your security should be with me. That's what the passage is saying. What is God saying? You know, you're planning to go to Egypt? You know, woe to those people who are going to Egypt. Okay, you know what? Because the people in Egypt put their security and their trust in their horses, in their chariots, in their what? Material things. You know, I guess it, it pretty much speaks to us too. Many of us are all immigrants to the United States. We're okay here, right? And Pastor Peter used to say when we were still in, in the Philippines, and you know, before you migrate, please, please pray that God really wants you to come to America. You know why? Because many of us, you know, again, I'm not making a critique here. Many of us came to America because we put our security in the land flowing with milk and money, right? which is America, the land of opportunity. You know, nothing wrong with that, because we probably did not know God as much then. But you know what, 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 uh, what God is telling us, hey, wherever, wherever you find your Egypt, pray for it. Because your Egypt is not your security, I am your security. Many of us probably have our own Egypts today. I don't know what your Egypts are. It may be that boyfriend that you're trying to, ooh, one Mary. It may be that business that you want to pursue, okay? It may be that career that you want to pursue. It may be that dream house that you want to. I don't know. But you see what God is saying? Hey, be careful. Be careful because they, they will all rob you of all the things that I want you to have, which is actually in me. So, are you having problems in your life right now? Is there famine in your life right now that you want to go to your Egypt? And God is telling you, don't go to your Egypt. Stay right where you are right now because I am with you. Unless, of course, the Lord says, Oi, go to Egypt. Can you hear me? Go to Egypt. But if God is not telling you that and it's just your own personal choice, be careful. Because you may be deceiving yourself and put supplanting God with the things of the material world that will make you secure. Don't find your security in the place or in people. Find your security in God's presence. Amen? Okay, so tell it to each other again. Practice God's presence. Come on, tell each other. Practice God's presence. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. 
You know, why is the why is the presence of God very important? Look at Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor the flame burn you. You like that? You know, how many of you are going through trials today? And how many of you would like this verse read to you? And assured, assured you, assure you that God will be with you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Though the rivers, though the, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. I like that. That is the promise of what? God being with you. Do you believe this enough to pass the test of trials? Or will trials overflow and burn you? I hope not. You anxious? You worried? Your wife or your spouse is planning to separate with you? You lost your job? You're sick? People you love are stricken with cancer? You have financial problems? You know, I have good news for you. God said, I will never, ever, ever, no, never, never leave you. My question to you is, should that solve your worry, even now? Hello? Yes. Louder, please. Yes. Do you really believe that? Yes. You know, if you believe that, then you are practicing the presence of God. But if you don't believe that, and run somewhere else to find an answer to your earthly solution, using your own earthly ways, then you are not practicing God's presence. It depends whether you believe and practice God's presence or not. Do you really believe God's presence and practice it? You can know in the head that God is with you and you don't act accordingly, yes? You know God is with us, but the way you behave belies the truth. There's a disconnect. That is why we fail oftentimes because of lack of practice. Let's learn from Isaac. Look at Isaac. Isaac, remember, Isaac, the son of Abraham. Okay, he's a chosen, he's a chosen, chosen um, benefactor of the promises of God. In, in verse 7, what happens? Okay, remember, it's a story. He, there's famine, and then he stayed in the land of King Abimelech. Okay, so he was there. When the man of the place asked about his wife, he said, she is my sister. Oh, huh? you, see, you see what's happening here? Huh? here? You see what's happening here? Uh, the man of the place asked about his wife. He said, Isaac said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say, my wife, thinking the men of the place might kill me on account of Rebecca, for she is beautiful. If, if Isaac was practicing God's presence, why did he lie? Guys, oh, sorry, ladies, can you imagine your husband, you know, your husband, you know, you're together with your husband, and then your friends, what? Asawa mo? Hindi, kapatid ko. Nick, baka patukang kita, sabi ko sa kanya, di ba? I mean, it's, it's, it's so insulting, isn't it? If you were Rebecca, I don't know with you. But look at this guy. He was willing to sacrifice the purity of his wife for his own well-being. You know, sometimes when you are facing famine and pressures, you can what? Distort your ethics. Okay? Why? Because you're not practicing the presence of God. Look at this guy. This is Isaac. And you know, guys, where do you think he'll learn to lie? From his dad. Oh, the same story, right? Those of you who know the story? 
Abraham also experienced famine. He went to Egypt, and there he also said, Oh, my wife Sarah is my sister. Like father, like son. Like father, no, like mother, like father, like son, like daughter. Many of you are asking, why are my children like that? Simple! Because of you! Right? You know, you know, that's not the topic for today. So he compromised, okay? He failed the test. And then it came about, verse 8, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out through a window and saw, okay, behold, Isaac was caressing his sister. His wife, Rebecca, right? Verse 9. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, certainly she is your wife. How then did you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said I might die on account of her. You see, if God is walking in your presence and you are failing test, He will not allow you to continue failing test. What did God do? He allowed King Abimelech to see. Caressing, touching, touching. You know, my brothers and sisters caressing. Are you caressing each other? See? Brothers and sisters caressing. Nakasabi niya, Abimelech, no way. No way! And then, you know, God allowed Abimelech to put a man of God to shame. Right? Sometimes, sometimes, okay, men of the world are more righteous than Christians who don't practice the presence of God. Yes or no? Look, look what happened. Abimelech said, What is this that you have done to us? Can you imagine this? He, is, he knows it's wrong. And then he said, what, what is it that you've done to us? Are you crazy? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife. You would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech charged all the people. And look at this guy, Abimelech. He's so good. He's not even a Christian. He's a pagan king. And look what he said. He who touches this man or this wife or his wife shall surely be put to death. How righteous is this man? Right? Sometimes, you know, the, the people of the world who don't even God, who don't even know God, are more righteous than us. Shame on us. And the reason for that is because we do not practice the presence of God in our lives. Because we practice our own, our own resources. We manipulate. We do things our way just to get out of the problem we're in. Guys, here's the way to practice God's presence. Wherever you are, if you're facing a situation where you think that you're losing, the odds are against you, here is what you're supposed to say all the time. Please, promise me, say this. Lord, you're here. How are you going to solve this problem? Lord, this is your problem, not mine. If you're prepared to say that, you're giving God a chance to work at your problem first before you solve it. I learned this the hard way. I learned this the hard way, believe me. I'm a Christian, I'm a Bible teacher, I keep teaching this to the people, but when it, when, when it comes to business decision making, because of my own personal experience, and because of my own quote-unquote security in my bank account, I made many, many wrong decisions. Many, many wrong decisions. And I, my children know this, my wife knows this, my family knows this. 
And sometimes I cry within because the money that I could have lost, I could have spent on them. Too late. You know, I'm hurt, they're hurt. But it's part of the consequences because I did not practice this. You know, that is the meaning of practicing the presence of God. If you are facing a situation, don't go ahead and solve it your way. I know you're good. I know you're experienced. Don't go ahead and find Abimelech or a connection here and there. Go to God first and tell God, God, I don't like this. But you know what? This is your problem. I know someone. I know someone and I wish I, I was asking him to share. But, you know, with his, with his permission, no, even without his permission, I'm going to share this. <laughs> this guy had financial problems. Okay? He's got big, big financial problems. And he was going through a lot of, you know, he was worried already because everything was like negative and he was losing a lot of money back in the Philippines. And you know, he, he learned the secret of God being, of God being faithful and God being in his presence. And he simply said, Lord, Lord, your debt is so big. What are you going to do about it? You know, he started to trust God with it. And you know what? Long story short, the people who gave him a hard time, persecuted him, so to speak, disappeared one after another. And, you know, God delivered him and gave him financial freedom after he has given it to God. Isn't that amazing? All he had to do was what? Lord, this is your problem. Utang mo to, hindi ko utang to. Can you do the same thing to practice the presence of God? Come on, guys, can you do the same thing? It's easy, isn't it? The question is, do you believe? Lord, Lord, this is your problem. Take a I will solve it my way first, then I'll go back to you. That's not the way it's supposed to work. Wait and pray about it. That's what it means. Practicing God's presence is what you call spiritual maturity. And read this. It is, read it. It is simply... Okay, practicing God's presence is actually a sign of spiritual maturity. What do you do? Increasing your chances of actually experiencing the presence of God by acting in faith. Right? If God tells you, for example, you know, don't go to America because America is okay, but it will destroy you. Okay? Besides, you don't have papers. Why go to America? My Lord, I can find a way. When I get there, I will marry someone. You know, you, you always have your own solution, right? But if you see, if you say, God said, no, stay in the Philippines. Act in faith. Lord, I'm here to go with you. But, you know, Lord, okay, I believe you. I will stay right here. I will stick with you. And you know what God will do? He will do his part and do something that you will never, ever believe in. And you know what? If you're a lady, it's possible that that blonde guy will even fly to the Philippines and meet you in the parking lot and say, I want to marry you. <laughs> no, I'm serious. These are things that can happen because God is God. Yes? yes. What we do is, what we, do, we go ahead of God and say, no, that blonde, that blonde person is not going to come. So I might as well go right now. Now, Lord, now. And you know what happens? The next thing you know is you're one into one big problem after another, deeper and deeper. And then you ask, Lord, ano nangyari sa akin dito? Duh! God did not want you to come here in the first place. Okay? You know, guys, I don't have anything against people who come here without papers. Believe me. You know, I'm not judging you. 
But if it's God's will for you to be here, God will find a way. Amen? Amen. You know, God will find a way. We didn't want to come to America. But it's God. God pushed us to go to America. Right? My children were screaming and kicking they didn't want to come to America. So Dino, if you did not come to America, can you imagine? Okay. Please pray that he will come again next Sunday. Okay. <laughs> right now, the reason why he's here is because he has no car. <laughs> now, Isaac, Isaac was ready. Isaac was ready. He said, Lord, okay, I am guilty. I will listen to Abimelech and I will, I, I, I ask for your forgiveness for telling a lie. What do you want me to do? God said, stay here and do what you're supposed to do. Verse 12. Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. What did Isaac do? He sowed. Is that enough of faith? Yes or no? Yes. Guys, it was famine. What will, what will happen to your seeds in a famine? It's dry. If you plant it, what will happen? The, the, the wind will blow it away, right? Now, can God contain the wind? Can God contain the land in this famine? Can God create water out of nowhere? That's exactly what happened. And you know what? By faith, Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Wow. That is practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God means you do what seems impossible because God told you and it would be God who would make it happen, not you. Is that not making sense? Many of us, we forfeit the blessing because we go ahead of God. And worse, we do not believe God at all. That God will meet my needs. Wala pa yung plan, hindi 45 na ako, Lord. Bukas, 46 na ako. I mean, you know, guys, by faith, by faith. Sorry, let's continue. And the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, look at that, and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. Can you imagine that? In famine, guys, in famine. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and great households so that the Philistines, what? You know, when you, when you are very wealthy, many people will try to get what you have, right? That's exactly what happened. You know, what we want you to do to practice God's presence is we want you to sow seeds of biblical faith. Seeds. Abraham, or rather Isaac, sowed seeds, right? And as far as we are concerned, here right now, we want you to sow seeds of biblical faith. Unconditionally obey and do as God said, even if it's not a popular choice. Okay? That's what it means. Do not marry an unbeliever. Oops. Fortified now, oh Lord. So handsome. God said, no, do not marry an unbeliever. Give a tenth of your unemployment check to God. Unemployment check, no? Hindi ko pa sa'yo. God naman! See? These are seeds of faith, guys. Right? Submit to authorities, unreasonable boss, government, parents, you name it. God says, submit to them, no matter what. Because I will meet you at your needs. And I will be faithful to you. These are seeds of what? Faith. Give thanks, even in adversities. Right? 
Love your enemies. Ayan, nahirap niya. Love your enemies. These are just examples of sowing seeds of faith. Biblical faith. And then what happens? He was so rich. Genesis 6, 26, 15 to 17. Isaac was so rich that all the wells which his father's servant had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth. Can you see that? The Philistines did like them, so they, you know, they filled, you know, sand or whatever, gravel in, in the wells. Are wells important at that time? Yes! Water is very important. It's a, it's a, it's a symbol of what? Security. And so what did, what did, uh, what did, then Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. Isaac departed from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled here. You know, if you, if you read it, it looks, it looks, you know, simple. But if you were Isaac, you were blessed by God there in the famine. And then, you know, these guys are telling you to go away because they want to take over, <laughs> right? Because that's what, you know, suddenly and people like, go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. You know, that's, that's just an expression that, you know, we envy you, we want what you have. Can you go away here? Right? If you were, if you were Isaac, would you leave? no? Why would I leave? I work hard for this thing. Right? But you know, you know, look what God said. What, look what Isaac did. You know, he left. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. He gave them the same names for which his father had given them. In other words, when Abraham was, or Isaac was told to leave, he left. Why? Because he was practicing God's presence. I'm sure God was telling him, Akong bahala sa'yo. Sige, pinatalis ka, alis. Lord, totoo? Sige, alis. So then, what, what do I have to do, Lord? Dig wells again. He was so obedient, in other words, even if it was hard. Yes or no? He did. And, but when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there was well flowing with water, remember, it was what? Famine. When they dug, they found water. And then look at verse 20. The herdsman of Gerar quarreled with the herdsman of Isaac, saying, This water is ours. You see the problem? Every time he's blessed, somebody comes and wants to take it away. Sounds familiar? <laughs> Sounds familiar? Okay. So he named the well Essek because they contended with him. Then what did they do? Did they give up? No. Then they dug another well. And they quarreled over it too. So he named Sitna. Sitna meaning contention. He moved away from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it, so he named it Rehoboth, meaning, you know, broad and spacious. For he said, at last the Lord has made room for us and will be fruitful in this land. If you just continue believing and obeying God, God will find your spacious room where you will blossom. Yes or no? All you have to do is to obey and do what God is telling you and not rely on your own resources. And then... Just to assure him again, in verse 24, the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham, by the way, do not fear, I am with you. Wow! You know, is God always whispering to you right now? I am with you. I am with you. Just practice it. I am with you. And then what did he do? Finally, he built an altar there and called the name of the Lord. You know, when you, when you are walking with God and you are walking in God's presence, you have no choice but to actually worship and honor God for the faithfulness that He will do this time. He pitches them, and there, and there Isaac's servant does the well. It is easier to think of God when you are in trouble. It's easier to think of God when you are in trouble than it is to think of God when you are prosperous, right? 
You know, look at Isaac. In prosperity, he honored God. In fact, he built an altar. And our prayer for all of us is when God blesses you, when he proves his divine presence to be real in your life, please, build him an altar. Worship him. Because my worry, my fear, just like what happened to me, the moment God blesses you with a lot of wealth and resources, is you will forget about God because you put the money as God instead of God, the Father as God. That's very dangerous. It's easier to think 90% of Christians will survive adversity. Yes, because they are God. But 90% of Christians will not survive prosperity. That is a real test. Because prosperity will make a state of our God as money and not God. If you practice the presence of God, you begin to live a life of worship. You begin to live a life of worship. And you know what? I would like to share with you a story. A life of worship. Yolanda Lugo's story. When she was young, she was stricken with cancer at the age of 20. She questioned God. A young girl with a promising career with the New York police force. She was 20 then, but she was struck with cancer. She asked God, why me, Lord? But she fought the cancer and had remission. At age 24, she became a rookie of New York, a rookie of the New York City Police in the 84th Precinct. And she was she was driving uh, by the bridge, Brooklyn Bridge. This is a real story. And then all of a sudden, a car just overtook him, and then parked right away. All of a sudden, and he she went past through it. She's she's a rookie, okay? Remember, she's a police officer. But she was looking behind the wheel and you know, behind in the mirror, he saw that this guy stepped out of his car and started to climb the bridge. Okay, the suspension bridge. Okay? He started to go up, up, up. So what he did was she stopped and she went and rushed to this man and said, Hey, stop! What are you doing? Stay away from me. The man said, Get away from me. Get away from me. I I want to finish this ball. Meaning what? He was gonna commit suicide. Alright? And you know, stay, you know, the, the man said, actually the man said, You don't understand problems, he said. Stay away from me. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand problems. And you know what this Yolanda Lugo said? I've had problems. Everyone has problems. He said. And you know? No. You had problems? What kind of problems did you ever have? You know, my problems are bigger than your problems. He said, I've had cancer. I have cancer in my heart. I have cancer in my neck, in my lungs, my liver, and my stomach. How can you beat that? So this man started to shock. Okay? And here is this, this police officer who was talking and connecting to him. Because this lady understood what the problem is. And then this man, realizing that this person has gone through problems and, and can possibly understand what he's going through, listen, they sat and talked. And if he, she was able to convince this, this, this man to come down and not commit suicide. And then when they were talking, you know, the, the Yolanda said, what's your problem? You know, my wife. My wife is my problem. You know, I discovered that sometimes, man, your wife can be bigger than cancer, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay? But you know, the next day, this, she was a hero. And you know, there was in the newspaper that this blue angel saved this man. Why? Because this man, this lady, experienced the presence of God in her life and was ready to share what it means to have problems 
but to have God with you. That was the story. And, you know, the same thing is true. When we walk in the presence of God, other people will see it, by the way. Okay? Look at this. Then Abimelech came to him, Isa, from Gerar, with his advisor, Ahuza, and he called the commander of his army. Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? Right? So they went there to visit, to visit Isaac. Okay. What am I doing? Uh, can I just skip this for a while? I'm sorry, guys. Okay. They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. That's what uh, Abimelech said. In other words, the presence of God is so clear in the life of Isaac that Abimelech saw it. And we said, let there now be an oath between us. Let us make a covenant with you. You will do us no harm, just as we have done you no harm. Uh, just as we have done you nothing but good. You are now the blessed of the Lord. See, people will notice. If you are walking with God, people will notice. And here's my point. In God's presence, there is reconciliation and forgiveness. Amen? Amen? Real security is not through contract or covenant. You can get the best contract there is, but it will not protect you. Okay? You can have the, the, the best, what do you call that? Uh, uh, clause in your marriage to protect your money, but that's not going to protect you. Right? Your security is in God. It is in God in His presence in your life. Can others see God's presence and glory for Christ in you? As I ask you this question right now. If God, if others cannot see the glory of God in you, or God's presence in you, is it possible that you don't know how to practice the presence of God yet? And that you are not acting in faith for the things that God has been telling you to do? Tony, you're the child. Uh, Sean, look at this. This is the Chinese word for blessed. Can you read it for us? Is that it? Kung Fu? Whatever, okay? You know what? If we break this down, look what it means. Okay? The left side is God. Is that right, Sean? Or is that God? You know, it says the left side is God. This is, this is the term for blessed in Chinese. Joseph, you should know too, right? God. And then, on the right side is a person, and that is Adam. Okay? And then, the bottom is a garden. Wow! You know the word blessed in Chinese? This is what it means. Man in a garden beside God is the meaning of the word blessed. Wow! Picture that! You see, blessings cannot happen without God, is what I'm saying. You can have all the money in the world, right? But if you don't have God, that's not a blessing as far as the Chinese term is concerned. That's, that's what I learned from my pastor Peter, okay? Okay, now, uh, I, before, before I, I'm closing now, I'm going to share with you for last, okay, the story of Elisha, Elisha the prophet. Now, when the attendant of the man of God, Elisha, had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses charged were circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So Elisha answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Okay? Meaning, Elisha can see it, but the attendant cannot see it. Okay? You know, what should our prayer be? Our prayer should be this. Let us pray that this very day, God will open our eyes 
to see God's presence in our lives. For the simple reason that many of us do not automatically see God's presence in the midst of destruction and the standards of this world. It is the same prayer that the prophet Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And you know, continuing the story, then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see what I'm saying? There was an enemy in front of them, but a servant said, Lord, what are you doing And then Elisha said, no, we're many. One, two. We're many. One, two. Okay, how was that? No, but then, you know, you know what? I pray that your eyes would be open. Look. And then when he saw, he saw chariots, horses, and fire around Elisha. And our prayer this morning is that the eyes of your heart your eyes will be open to see the real presence of God in your life. How do you read this? God, how do you read this? Okay, for some it's this. God is nowhere. For some, God is now. See the perspective? It's just a matter of perspective, guys. God is here. You know, I prepared a song and I'm prepared to sing it. Okay. Look at the look at the lyrics of this song. When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high. You're familiar with this song, right? Don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of the storm, the golden sky and the sweet silver song of the Lord. Walk on to the wind. Walk on to the rain. I want you to listen to this. And see how how it speaks to you. The storm, hold your hand up high. Let not be afraid of the dark. At the end of the storm is a golden sky and the
Father, thank you. May this truth not just remain a steering in our lives, but may this truth, Lord, be practiced. So that people will see how glorious you are. So that people will see how different we are. How rested, how favored, and what a witness we can give to other people. Lord, help us to sow seeds of faith going through the things we're going in our life right now. Lord, you know exactly what's going on with the people here. You know exactly what family trials they're facing. Lord, I pray that they will talk to their disciples, be disciples, to find out what exactly you want them to do in their lives, even if it's uncomfortable for them. And my prayer, Lord, is like Isaac, they will rest in the assurance confidently that you will never, ever, ever leave them to face the trials they're facing in their lives. Deliver them, O God, for your power as you delivered Isaac. And show your glory to anoint your people as blessed because we practice your presence. Thank you, Father. And for those of us who don't have a relationship with Jesus right now, because we don't know Jesus personally, Jesus will not be present with you unless you believe Him as your personal Savior and Lord. So if you're here right now, you want the presence of God, but not everybody is qualified to be in the presence of God. And you want to be qualified, all you have to do is to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe in you. I want you to be ever-present in my earthly life, and more importantly, in my eternal life. Come into my heart. I want to make you as my personal Savior and Lord, so that you will always, always and forever walk with me and be present in my life. Thank you. For those of us who are really challenged right now, practice the presence of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor Insom is no longer here, so please continue to pray for Lynette. Okay? Uh, Lynette is better now, I think, but uh, continue to pray that she recovers fully. And I'm sure they are having their own challenges, but I'm sure Pastor Insom knows what it means to have God present in their life. Okay? Uh, if you, if you, you know, again, I beg for your, I beg for your, uh, I, I beg, I, I, please forgive me, I exceeded my time. I, I, I keep telling the people here, we want to talk only for 40 minutes. We will do better next time, okay? So sorry if we exceeded. For those of you who still want to, to do some discussions, here are the discussion questions that we would like to have. And then we would have lunch together.